0: All right, back on the Ohio Ohioan. Man, you know, Craig, I was thinking with protests. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of history growing up, and I remember we read about uh, protests about, you know, some of the civil rights protests of, like, the 50s and 60s. Uh, you look at Martin Luther King Jr., look at all, all this stuff, and then you think, man, there hasn't been that many protests. Uh, I remember a couple years ago I got a chance to go to um, Ecuador, and there was, like, a travel advisor saying, hey, there might be protests down there. I'm like, wow, what would that be like? Because I I wasn't familiar with protests. I was involved. But my goodness, Craig, over the past year here in central Ohio, even up where you are, up in the Fremont area, I mean, we've seen our protests. (laughs) There's been a lot more protests last year. Um, And even this year, uh, we haven't got a chance to talk about the podcast. There was a a police shooting uh, down here in Westerville uh, the other day. Person of color got shot. I'll be honest, they really haven't released that much facts about the case. It actually happened in a hospital emergency room. It was strange. There was like a scuffle. It happened. I I don't think we know enough to say, oh, this was warranted or this wasn't warranted. But I woke up this morning to see a story. There was 100 people protesting outside Columbus Police Headquarters last uh, last night. And we're recording this on Wednesday. It happened late Tuesday night. So, Craig... It's a different world. Uh, We're journalists in our newsrooms. Um, I don't know if it's happened in your newsroom, but I've I've listened to four speeches about, hey, guys, this is what's going to happen if you're covering a protest. And it might happen, so be ready. So we're in a different world now. Um, And as journalists, we're preparing for it. And as Ohio citizens, we're preparing for it. Because no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, there's protests on both sides. So we we look to the Ohio State House and the Ohio State House is saying, "Hey, we need to make rules, so there' are four different bills on talking about different type of protests and I'll tell you, Craig, what bothers me about this, and we actually spoke with Rachel Coyle about this a couple of weeks ago. It seems like each of these bills are very political in nature um if you're on one side of the aisle the Republicans, it seems to be one that's a little bit more upset about. Some of the protests are more friendly to Democrats. And if you're on the Democratic side of the aisle, it's a little bit more, well, we don't like some of these other protests that are more, I don't know how you say it, Craig, complimentary the Republican beliefs, I guess, maybe. How do we make this, and this is a question, it sounds dumb as soon as it comes out of my mouth. Is there a way we could find more rules about this that doesn't have to be so darn political in nature?
1: Well, well, you know, you'd, you'd like, like to, think, to think that that could be adjusted or you uh, know curtailed to some degree, but I unfortunately, you know, we've got four four of these these bills going through and it, it just seems like a lot of it is is just politically motivated and um you know it's it's kind of framed in this story and it's not, nothing against the dispatches story. That's the way it's just the way the story had to be, is that it's in response to the 2020 protests, which right. you know, we understand that, but you know, it's it's interesting that I wonder if any of the, the legislatures, especially Republicans, would would mention anything, although it was not in Ohio, but would mention the the Capitol riots as being something that they fear oh you know, versus what we maybe saw last year with demonstrations that may have turned either violent or into looting, things like that. So I've always kind of wondered, you know, we want to have protect, we want people to be protected. I I don't think anybody would disagree that they don't want police and first responders to feel safe doing their jobs. But at the end of the day, you know, are these, are these bills really, you know, encapsulating everything that could become a riot and, and also, you know, is it, is it really kind of criminalizing demonstrations um, and I know that that's part of the story too, is, you know, are they really criminalizing the ability to protest or for people to, you know, speak their, their minds on the streets? And that's a freedom that we all have in a peaceful way, obviously. So, you know, I don't think you can ever get away from the politics on anything like this. And and I think it's pretty evident that a lot of this is in response to what happened last year, but you, you, you're you probably not going to see a whole lot of mentions about what happened just a few months ago at the Capitol. And I know it was at the Capitol. It wasn't in the state of Ohio, but it just tells you that. And there were people from Ohio that went to that protest, if you want to call it a protest and rioted and, you know, broke into uh, the Capitol building and, and looted and, and defamed, you know, public property. So, you know, it's, it, it seems like that should at least be mentioned here that, you know, let's, let's incorporate this if we're going to, you know, try to, you know, badmouth some of the demonstrations that happened in 2020 in these bills, specifically.
0: Well, and I think in general, too, why can't we just take a look at it and say, like, my conversation with Rachel, I think we need to really define what a protest is and what the consequence of any type of protest is i i don't know craig i know you're kind of in the northern part of the state um at the state house especially on the northern side of the state house there's a huge lawn. okay so rachel and i were talking about this and when you're trying to define a protest there's a lawn where i would guess if you pack people in there which you shouldn't do during covid but on normal times you might get I don't know, a couple, a couple thousand people in that lawn. You know, what I mean, so you could have a lot of people on that lawn that are not in the street at all or anything else, and you could have a protest. Now, if you have a protest there, hey, you know, people could yell, scream, jump up and down, whatever the case might be. It doesn't disturb anything. Rachel made a good point saying, "Hey, isn't part of a protest upsetting people, disrupting things?" where somebody who's driving by or somebody hears about says, wow, what they're going through is upsetting me. So in some ways, that's the conversation that goes to, hey, maybe you should be able to march the streets. Because if you march the streets, it's going to disrupt traffic. You know what I mean? So you're upsetting the apple carton that way. There's been a debate with, especially around the George Floyd time, saying, Okay, you know, some people say, man, why are you damaging businesses that's not good and everything? Well, the argument that some people make about that is, hey, we have to show that the status quo is not working anymore. You know, we have to upset people. And, you know, you could argue if that's justified or if that's not. I, what concerns me is I look at these bills and I say, why can't we just say, hey, these protests are always okay. We're going to encourage it. There's no problem, whatever the case might be. Hey, if you march on the street, hey, we might, let's argue if that's a misdemeanor. You know what I mean? Do you charge somebody with a misdemeanor? And on the other end, if you're protesting, hey, you might get arrested. Hey, you might have to pay a misdemeanor fine Uh, when it comes to damaging places, okay? Can you get arrested and can the fine be high for damaging the place? And then that becomes your right. Because if you say, hey, I feel I have to do this to make my case known. Okay, you've got the right to do it, but we've got the right to prosecute you. I'm wondering if that's something that can be agreeable to both sides. Because that way, if you're protesting, you know, if it's a capital riot type protest or a George Floyd just make the rules the same for everybody.
1: You know what I mean? Right. And I think one of the bigger pictures, and this is something that I, I hadn't thought about, even though I've covered a couple of uh, incidences not related to protests, but, um, you know, Ohio sort of broadly defines what a riot really is. So in Ohio, if you have five people who get together and are in violation of disorderly conduct, you can be charged with riot. So it's, it's you know, kind of a grouping of, you know, people together, five or more, where they get, into you know, get involved in some sort of a, a disorderly conduct or whatever issue, and they can be charged with riot. We've actually had cases where, um, you know, I've covered a couple of cases where some people were charged with, like, aggravated riot, you know, because of a, of a large-scale fight or a large-scale issue. Um, so maybe we need to more better define what riot really is, and then that way we can have maybe better legislation that, that like you said, can kind of you know be the same for everybody because I don't know that you know I, it's it's interesting too that I don't think a lot of people, especially these these co-sponsors of these of these bills, have anything to say about what happened last year when you know we all remember those photos and people gathering at uh, Ohio in Ohio at the Capitol. Um, you know, to protest Mike DeWine's, you know, essentially his health orders that he was imposing and people were banging on doors and, you know, they were getting as as close as they could yelling and screaming and they were well well within their right. But do you define that as a riot when they're trying to serve the public or, you know, cause a scene? So I guess it's, it's better for us maybe to get on the same page as to what a riot really constitutes, because, you know, like I said in the story, some people think of a riot as being over, overturning cars, setting buildings on fire. But that's not necessarily what Ohio defines a riot as.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying whatever it is. Like, if you and I go down to the state house and we pull our laptops and record a podcast, you know, okay, if you do it on the front lawn, I mean, I guess it's fine. But if we did it on the street and block traffic, we sh- we should probably have a misdemeanor, whatever the arrest would be. You know what I mean? So, I mean, whatever it is, I, I, I guess I don't like the bills to say, well, let's enhance these crimes. If you do something that's wrong, it's a crime. If you're saying, hey, I'm doing it because I'm protesting, or if you just have a wild streak in you, or if you just want to be disobedient to the law, whatever it might be, it's a crime. And I guess if we're saying, let's go protest this, if we're protesting on January 6th, or if we're protesting George Floyd or whatever we're protesting, we know that whatever we're doing, we, there's a potential we can get arrested. And actually, isn't that part of the, a word to being a protest? You know, if you're going to protest, and you know, if you're upset about something, you know, the consequence, and sometimes you don't care because you understand, hey, if I get arrested, I'm going to have to, because this is how strongly I feel and whatever it is, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, in reading this story, it's very interesting um you know, Cedric Denson, a, a Democrat from Cincinnati, um, is, is kind of the one one of the main concerns here for him is that it's criminalizing protesting or, you know, just kind of being out and about, you know, trying to, you know, alert people of injustice. So, you know, his his example, you know, specifically, you know, what happened to George Floyd last May um, in, in saying, you know, if someone goes there, goes to a place and pulls out their cell phones and begins to record something that's like that incident. And, you know, he says you start shouting and screaming as as most people might do. And then, you know, they could be considered to be interfering with officers if officers are shouting for them to get out of here. Because a part of this, uh, it seems like a part of this bill is that you, you have to comply with lawful order from a law enforcement officer so if if an officer says something and you don't do it, then technically, based on what this it looks like House Bill Twenty Two would how it reads to him anyway, is that it would uh, it sort of expand the definition of, of of obstructing you know obstruction of justice, and if someone says you have to leave or get out of here or whatever it may be, you know maybe it kind of seems as though you could be at fault for something like that just by recording video of a, of a George Floyd like incident, which that shouldn't be something if you're not, you know, the definitions, and we've seen, if you watch the George Floyd trial, most of the definitions of, you know, obstructing police business is getting in their way and physically not allowing them to do their job or making them have to alter how they do their job. Being on a sidewalk or a street, Recording them arresting someone is not obstructing them from doing their job or getting in the way of doing their job. That's how we all, especially in the media who cover cops and courts, have always heard it. You know, when I go to a fire or a car crash, I do my best to stay away from what they're doing. I try to get as close as they allow me to without getting in their way physically from doing their job. And that's exactly how this should translate over to just a normal Joe Schmo on the street who may be walking by and seeing something like maybe not even as extreme as the George Floyd incident, but anything that they want to you know record, if they want to record a police officer playing basketball with a kid, to, you know, as a community relations type thing, they can do that. And I hope that this doesn't you know get in the way of things like that in the future because that based on how this you know, representative from Cincinnati is reading the House Bill 22, that's how he interprets it. So we're, I'm hoping that that's not the case because it could be a very big slippery slope for all of us.
0: And that's why the rules need to be the same. Um, you're seeing these rules and, you know, this fact story. And look, if it's a Republican bill, they're upset at the protests of last year. So, you know, hey, they're responding to the George Floyd protest that happened in Columbus. Well, don't make the rules... Any enhanceable, just make it where if if you're bothering a police officer and you are obstructing their business, okay, you get arrested. If it's during a protest, or if it's when I go up to get lunch today, and if I get in the way of a police officer, you know, if it's legitimate, if I'm breaking the law, I should be arrested. Yeah. You know? right. And again, if if I'm at a protest like this protest we talked about that happened last night in Columbus, hey, you should have the right to protest. You might get arrested, but that's part of protesting. You know, sometimes you're like, hey, I'm mad as heck, I'm not gonna take it anymore. So, you know, if I get arrested, I get arrested. I I I I don't know. And again, I know there's a lot of politics going to this. I know there's a lot of passion. I know there's a lot of frustrated people, but life we don't need to enhance rules or whatever. We just need to say if it's a protest or if you're walking the street at 10 at night. Follow the same rules, you know? <clears throat> and I, I don't like this. Uh, like, some people are talking in the story about, well, we can't have violence with police officers. Okay, I agree. We can't violence with police officers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you have it, you get arrested. <clears throat> and if that's part of a protest, you take that chance, you suffer the consequences. I, I, I think the problem I see in society, Craig, is based on crazy things that happen, based on things that inflame a lot of passion. We have politicians that want to change the whole rules to make it where people don't want to do it again. Well, sorry. We're America. Now, if we want to change how we do America, I guess we can talk about that, but as we are in America, we follow rules, but we don't make them tougher to protest or whatever else because there's a freedom of speech out there, you know?
1: Right.
0: There's a freedom of speech, but there's a consequence. Like I, I have the freedom if I don't want to wear a mask, but there's a consequence that my chance of getting COVID goes way up. I mean, that's America. I mean, we could talk about that with COVID protesting. We could talk about that for business, everything else. I mean, it's the same thing. And I, I think we forget about that. And, and that's the shame of how our politics have gone off whack because it's kind of whack We're in a way on both sides we're challenging what America is truly all about. All right. Well, again, thank you. Check out to Ohio and let us know what you think. These are protest bills going out there. Uh, you might be uh we'll have a link to the story if you need more information. Uh story has links to all four bills, so you can read all four bills and everything. Be a part of democracy. Um, comment on our podcast, but even more importantly, if you're fired up one way or ever, I mean it's still a bill. Uh, if you look here in Ohio, you're represented by somebody. Contact your legislator. Let them know how you feel, too. I mean, this is how we get things done here in Ohio. Well, thanks for checking out, Tom. We'll be back shortly with another segment. Thank you. All right, back here on the Ohioan. And, Craig, the show is all about me. Because I picked this story because I'm nervous, man. It, under two weeks from the time we're taping this, I get my second dose of the, what did I have? Moderna. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't sure what uh, COVID vaccine guy, but I got the second dose and they're saying, look out, you're going to be knocked, uh, you're going to do side effects. And it was interesting. Uh, We don't know. Not everybody gets the side effects. Some people do. Some people don't. I've already asked off the day after my vaccine so I can just sleep and relax and enjoy myself and hopefully not be too woozy. But uh, the Columbus Dispatch had a good article from friend of show, Craig, Max Philby, who's been on the show before, um, about are you worried about COVID side effects? Here's how i plan for, treat, or avoid them. So apparently Max kind of looked and knew this article he wrote just for me because I'm worried. I want to make sure everything's okay. So let's go for these. And I know you've been through the vaccine. Let's try to figure out – what the side effects are, what Max is saying, and should we feel better? Um, you know, one is a sore arm. And, you know, I look at it and say, hey, that's what happened. You're going to get a sore arm from this vaccine. Um, one of the experts that Max talked about said, hey, if you relax your arm muscle as much as possible before you get the shot, yeah. you'll, you'll avoid damage to your arm, which could make soreness last for days. Now, my arm was sore for like a day or two. Um, you know, I asked for the person to give me the shot to distract me. So she talked to asked me about work and I kinda of told her a little bit why I did. So I guess I didn't, you know, tense up as much. But I don't know. How long was your arm sore for?
1: You know, I think as far as arm soreness, I was I was very limited. I had, you know, the first shot was a little tender. The second shot was probably a little more painful than the first, but because I was experiencing some other side effects from the second shot, I think the sore arm was probably the least of my worries. But I think by the next day I was fine. You know, the arm I was funny though, because you watch them. I don't know if you've seen anybody go ahead of you. Like I was with my, my wife and I saw them, you know, give her the shot and they just kind of like nonchalantly poke you. And then they just like put the dart. It's like, they throw a dart in your arm almost. It's like, it seems so nonchalant nonchalant the way they do it, even though that's maybe how they're supposed to do it. But um, you know it, it i didn't have really that big of an issue with the, you know, the sore arm i did have a sore arm both times but nothing really you know that made me just not want to do anything or i couldn't have you know i went you know i went to work or whatever i was able to do stuff yeah. after the first one the second one yeah i was very much you know had having issues with it um and i'm you know we'll be explaining that here in a few seconds well and to me what blew my mind and maybe it shouldn't have but you know i always
0: Used to be like, if you got a shot or like a vaccine in the past, it's your right arm. And, you yeah, I'm a righty, uh, but they asked me during the first one, say, uh, hey, right or left arm? I'm like, really? You could choose? And I chose the left arm and because I didn't use as much. You know what I mean? And it, it actually was kind of nice more from that way. But let's look at some of the other side effects. This kind of scares me. Uh, there's been more people who have fainted uh, mm-hmm. who are getting this shot. Okay. Uh, this guy, uh, the expert, uh, said, "Hey, he was working at Wexner's vaccination clinic at the Johnson Center, and he saw some cartoons faint. Now, I'm not sure if they're fainting as the shots going in or fainting at the thought of getting a shot. That didn't make it clear, but that's kind of interesting. But here, but here's his advice. And honestly, Craig, I should run our own stories, or I should have asked, because I'm sure we've talked about before." But they talk about you got to eat breakfast and you got to hydrate. Which is, is, you think about it. Sometimes you get shot, you need to fast. Like you, you shouldn't eat beforehand. Right. Uh, the saying, eat up, man, which is great. So I'm playing. I don't think I ate too much that morning, but I'm going to eat up. I'm going to drink a lot and make sure I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the first shot I had was in the morning, or not well, not in the morning, around noon or so. But, you know, I had to go to Cleveland. So it was an hour drive or so. Um, but, uh, the second shot was in the afternoon and I, you know, I, had, I had lunch or I had breakfast that morning. I I don't remember eating lunch beforehand because it was kind of in the smack dab in the middle of the afternoon. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, we don't know what the the results of the fainting were from, but you know, it probably wouldn't hurt just to hydrate, and make sure you're ready to go, but. Um, you know, I didn't have it, I have not heard of anybody fainting from it, but it might be more because they don't like needles more so than it is the shot itself causing it.
0: Okay. Another side effect he talks about was hyperventilating and anxiety, and we've talked about that a little bit before. Um, you know, I get nervous anytime I get a shot, you know, COVID vaccine, or whatever else the case might be. Um what what's worked for me, and thankfully. Nurses are nice enough to do as far as just say, hey distract me, talk to me about family or work or something. It happened worked last time. I'm wondering. I literally forgot my headphones at home, and I'm thinking about bringing them next time and just listen to them and just say hey, do you mind? That way I don't have to think about it as much. So, you know, put a song on or a podcast on or something. So, right. I think it would be funny. Um you know, you bring, a, like, a pump you up song, like, We Will Rock You or something, you know, you <laughs> get pumped up for the shot or something. Yeah. And play it loud enough so the nurse could hear. I wonder if that would be yeah.
1: Well, you know, a lot of people, you know, there might be some anxiety and there might be some fainting because, you know, I can't remember the last time I got a shot. I really can't. Um, and for older people, you know, when you're getting like shingles vaccine, I think the last shot I got was a flu shot maybe two or three years ago. So maybe for some people, they there's a little bit more anxiety, maybe a little bit more fainting because they haven't gotten shots on a regular basis or an annual, you know, kind of basis like you might when you're a little bit older and you could get shingles and pneumonia and things like that when you get those vaccinations. So maybe may, I'd be interested to see what sort of the breakdown of the age ranges are for people who are maybe experiencing the fainting or the hyperventilating and, and anxiety that comes with a shot.
0: Well, I think it's, it's more almost, in my opinion, almost kind of like a personal how you take it. I mean, like for me, right. I mean, hey, I, I didn't like the fact I'm driving an hour to get this shot. I mean, I'll, I'll drive an hour for something fun, not to get a shot. And I, I think maybe – you could like get inside your head a lot. And I'm not talking about you're having a mental health issue, but just more of if you're driving somewhere, if you get freaked out about that, you know, turn on a podcast turn on our podcast. There you go. See we're getting yeah. a plug in for the Ohio Yeah, turn something to make you laugh or make you think. And do something to distract yourself. You know what I mean? Whatever else the case might be. Listen to some music. Um hey, now that they're encouraging me to eat up, go to a drive thru on the way there. Get some food and yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, do something fun or whatever else the case might be. It should be good. And I think that'll help. Uh, Craig, here's something I'm a little concerned about. this fatigue, fever, chills, or body aches. And good advice. I didn't do this last time. They're saying that the day – oh, okay. You go to bed the day of your inoculation with a glass of water and some over-the-counter um, pain me- medicine. So I'm guessing, like I'm getting mine on a Monday. So I'm saying, I guess if they're saying the date of the inoculation, so Monday night when I go to bed, get water, over oh, the and kind of pain medication. I'm assuming aspirin is what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, ibuprofen, aspirin. Yeah, some Tylenol. Okay, so if if I do that right before I go to
0: bed, they're saying, yeah, it's not going to. I mean, you you could still have a headache, or you could still have some issues, but at least you're covered. You know what I mean? It's not like you're like, Oh crap, where's the aspirin? Right. You've already got the aspirin in you, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they might even, you know, and you can ask questions too when you're there, you know, say, Hey, you know, what should I look for? Should I take anything? What can I take? I think it's always important for people to ask the health professionals that are administering the shots that way. There's no guesswork. You don't have to Google it, ask them, Hey, can I take aspirin, ibuprofen? What what should I take for pain? What you know for the arm? Things like that. I think my mom said Tylenol worked for her for a sore arm. Uh, but this is really my sweet spot. What I had when I got the second shot. You know, we got it on a Friday afternoon. It was like three or four or so. And the next morning, you know, we we started off the that night with maybe the sore arm like you normally would, but the next morning you woke up and you just felt like I felt like anyway that, you know, I just got hit by a bus with fatigue and, you know, chills and body aches. I felt bad because my wife had to work, you know, that next morning and she just was not, you know, her arm was more sore than she maybe had issues. But she had body aches and chills and just fatigue and just, you know, you just feel like, you you know, you're getting sick. And and I think or maybe coming out of the last stage of sickness. So you, you kind of felt like wanting to sleep all day. And that's essentially what I did. Um, but yeah, if you can get out ahead of it, maybe, uh, take some Advil or something or Tylenol to get out ahead of it because that, that second day, you know, it really knocked me on my butt. You know, I know that not everybody's going to experience that with their second dose of Moderna or Pfizer, or, you know, if they do take Johnson and Johnson, but I did, I, I certainly did. So this, this one speaks to me a lot more than maybe the other categories do.
0: And you know, playing ahead. Um, you know, there's a the last thing we talked about, allergies. We'll include the links. There is a right. couple long terms of what's involved. And I, I I don't want to butcher it or confuse people. Uh but you know, be prepared. If you have allergies, do do your research. Uh check and see what's involved. If you're allergic to it, make sure to know. And uh, i they're saying a lot of these places have epi and places to help you know, can help you if you have any issues. But yeah, do your research, read articles like this. It definitely helps. I mean, uh, I'm definitely going to be eating beforehand, drinking, and they say drink water. So hey, don't go out there and start chugging beers if they touch them <laughs> out right. oh, just Make sure you're drinking water. Make sure you're good to go. Eat up. Um, I, I like the advice. I, I didn't even think about that. So the yeah. night of the vaccine, you know. Chug some aspirin. Well, take one or two, don't you? <laughs> right. Uh, do your aspirin and then, you know, drink water. And hey, it should be okay. But again, yeah. if I have some side effects, I- I'm going to be on the couch, turn on some movies, and I'm good to go.
1: So, Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking take a of personal movies, day, just take one of those days to have yeah. a uh, in your, stay in your bed kind of day.
0: Well, good night. Has been nice that they've been offering everybody an extra day. I think it's before the end of April, if I remember right, Craig. End of June. And, oh wow, I took I took advantage of it early. <laughs> so well, you're well, gonna
1: you're gonna thank yourself for it because you're taking yes. it the day, the day after your your second dose, so you're gonna want that day off.
0: And as you know from our our, our podcast, I'll just let you in, we are now releasing three episodes a day. Um in the past, we've just kind of released whenever we've released and It's been kind of like a shotgun approach, just saying, hey, here's an episode, go, boom, boom. Well, now, you'll see this weekend, we're going to have three episodes a day of Ohio pop culture and other stuff. And we're excited about doing that. Well, we may take the day off from taping that next day. Uh, Craig and I have to talk, or maybe the weekend before we get together and we tape some stuff. But we're taping episodes now. We're doing that. Yeah, you don't get the immediacy of the current news. But the way I like about it is you get a more set program each day, rather than saying, "Hey, here's ten segments one day, one segment in the next, and none in the next couple of days." So, Craig, you and I have to talk. Maybe we can record the weekend before. We'll figure something out. It'll be good. But yeah, but but prepare. And for me, preparing is taking the day off. I'm hoping halfway through the day, I'm like, "I got no side effects. This is crazy. Why I do this? I much rather do that than trying to work with a spling head." So. Yeah, should be good. So, all right. Well, thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Again, we, each day I look at the download numbers and I appreciate everyone who's checking out the show. Uh, check out our sponsors. I know some of you guys may not have a ton of extra money. That's fine. Check out our sponsors. Send them a note. Say, man, uh, one of your sponsors is the Ohioan. I love listening to the podcast. I mean, you could do that even if you have no money to spend on stuff. Uh, listener support. We were, we had an off, um, offline conversation about it with one of our uh, guests this week. And hey, great way of, of supporting the show, even if you want to give a buck. It's it just it's a way we can reinvest in the show and reinvest in each other, and it, it should be great. And you can win stuff. Uh, we got more prizes coming. Uh, we'll make that announcement next day or two. So thanks for checking out the Highland. Thanks for everything you guys do. Thanks to Craig. Uh Brand's taking some personal time off. That's why we haven't seen Brand as much recently. But we hope to see him back shortly. And you know, just thanks to everybody for um working on the show and everything. You know, we're excited about what's been happening. Uh have a great day, everybody. All right, back on the Ohio and we are recording this on uh Thursday night. Man, this week is getting away from me. I almost <laughs> forgot for a second. And I mentioned that because it's kind of a timely podcast. We had um hmm it was funny. Sometimes Rachel and I talk before we, uh, you know, have our interview each week. We're like, boy, I don't know what to talk about or what there's not one singular topic to talk about. And I think even before we discussed via chat today, we knew (laughs) there was a a lot of big stuff happening. Um, Most notably yesterday um, the house and Senate tried to pass a bill to regulate what the health orders are. And, and, what their role is and deciding what the health orders are. Uh, Governor DeWine has said this. He's going to veto it. Uh, he's vetoed such bills in the past. He vetoed it, but the House and Senate actually had the votes. They overrode it. So, unless something happens court wise in June, DeWine and the um, Health Department can make health orders. But right now, the House and Senate have the right to override it. So, uh, starting in June. So, it's going to be interesting. And Rachel's here. We're going to try to talk about that. So, help. Help me figure out – I mean, I think I kind of explained it, but give some context of what exactly happened over the past
1: couple weeks with this.
2: Sure. So the first thing people should know is our governor, Governor DeWine, is a Republican. Mm -hmm. The State House is also controlled by Republicans in the House and Senate. Uh, But the State House Republicans tend to be a lot more conservative, a lot more far-right than the governor. And the governor has been issuing these health orders throughout the pandemic – uh, the mask order, for example, and different rules for businesses, that sort of thing, and the state house wanted to get rid of those orders. They wanted the the ability to override the governor's health orders and make their own decisions, basically on on health orders. Uh, so the, they passed a bill. The governor vetoed it. But right now in the state house, there's what's called a supermajority of Republicans, which means they have so many members that they have the numbers to override the governor's veto, basically force things into law all by themselves without the governor's approval. And that what? is what happened with this bill.
0: What was it? 66% you need to override?
2: It's, yeah, it's, it's different. It's two thirds or three fifths, depending on the type of veto. This was a three fifths override. Okay. Okay. But yeah, so they have there's that many Republicans in the state house that they have those votes um, if they all stand together. And they even can afford to lose a couple Republicans and still have the veto override votes, which we saw happen yesterday.
0: Do you think and, and you've said this and, and I agree, and I think it's very interesting that state politics are kind of a different animal than national politics. I mean, obviously, you're not talking about the exact same topics. It is kind of weird, though, that the sharp division that obviously we see in the national side, it's really happened the state side. Is that surprising at all? It seems like everyone's dug in their trenches, you know, if you're a Republican, Democrat, mostly.
2: It's very interesting because it's it's Ohio's Republicans are showing us the divide in the National mm-hmm. Republican Party. There's yeah. the the more old school Republicans like Mike DeWine, and then there's the more extremist far right Republicans like the state house legislators tend to be, and it's really playing out in Ohio like that because the Democrats often don't have any say at all in the process at the moment in Ohio.
0: So I'm trying to figure out how this all works. So it, this takes effect June. I'm assuming June 1st or is it mid June? I'm not sure so what the said date. They-
2: the bill goes into effect 90 days from now. Uh, But then there's something in the law that says that 30 days after that, the current health order goes away. So the current mask order will go away 30 days. So 120 days from now, which is, you know, risky because we don't know what COVID, what the pandemic is going to look like in a couple months. Hopefully folks will be vaccinated enough that it won't cause a big problem. But we don't know that. Um and even beyond that, if the governor issues any more health orders after ninety days from now, the state house will have the power to get rid of those health orders if they feel like it.
0: So we're actually I read something about June, but with four months we're actually looking into July, right? Probably end of July so. when this changes. Okay. And the thought would be is so after this happens, the governor could say, Hey, I've got a health care order, but then the legislature could just immediately jump in and say, let's take a vote. And is it like a 50 percent majority? I mean, how, how do they decide how to get rid of that order? That's something a little bit unclear on.
2: So they have to keep the governor's order for, I believe, 30 days. And then okay. after that, they're allowed to get rid of it if they want. And I believe it's just a simple majority vote, uh, which okay. they have easily in both chambers. The Republicans have easy, simple majorities.
0: So, in essence, he could set a health order and at least it'd be in effect for 30
2: days. Right. But, you know, okay. back to the beginning of the pandemic, uh, if the governor had issued that mask order and then 30 days later, the legislature had the power to get rid of it, you know, th- not being partisan, that would have led to a lot more cases in Ohio. It probably oh, yeah, would have led to course. more deaths. It is. This is a, a shocking move by the state house. It really is an example of extremism that that surprises me, which is why we have even some Republicans in both chambers broke away from their own party and voted not to override the veto yesterday.
0: And the thing that is mysterious, we've, let's put it this way. I've heard the argument that even some, you know, people may have, a lot of people may have thought, Hey, DeWine didn't go far enough. And it's amazing because I know the language of people who are, are opposed to a conservative approach to the pandemic, you know, Hey, stay home, wear a mask social distance and everything. You would think that in Ohio it's still kind of lenient compared to other states, thinking back to all the restrictions. It it's funny because we're taking these health orders away when some might argue, hey, the wine probably didn't even go far enough in the first place. It's kinda it's kind of interesting dynamic there.
2: Yep. It's and I've never understood the anti mask feeling because if we all wore masks, maybe we could keep the businesses open and go into restaurants and just you know, be safer with that tiny little addition of a mask. I've never really understood that mentality anyway. So you're right. There's yeah. always going to be, there's always going to be a whole wide range of opinions on this. The question now is why does the legislature have all the power of decision-making?
0: And the one thing we we're talking about is how technically would this work? Because a lot of times when there's a health order, is it isn't just saying, hey, we like you to wear masks. There's usually like six different levels or, Hey, here's how we handle proms, or, you know, there's a lot of guidance and everything coming out. So I would assume in this particular case, they'll probably just say, Oh, health orders, everybody out. But could they look at things individually? Like I'm not envisioning that's how it's going to happen. It just goes, you know, as things continue into July, but are, are we striking individual things out? They want, I mean, how exactly does that work?
2: There's a lot of pieces in the law about uh, the power of local boards to local health boards that are really yeah. troubling. Uh, one piece for me that's especially troubling is that local health boards will only be allowed to issue you know, stay at home type orders to folks who have been medically diagnosed with the illness or folks who have come in direct contact with them. So that would basically get rid of all health orders um, right. effectiveness. You know, if you can only make people stay home who are already sick, what is the point at all? It's a very interesting because we won't be able to take it case by case with the way this law is written.
0: Well, and the other thing that's hard is, you know, this is not like 50 years ago when we all lived in one county and we worked in one <laughs> county. We went to church in one county. We grocery shopped in one county. I mean, you know, I'm getting my COVID vaccine an hour away. Just going to find one anywhere else. So, you know, we live kind of a more transient life, even during a pandemic like this. So how do you even track that? Because we're all moving yeah. around. I mean, you know, if you live in one county, you may spend most of your time in another county, you know, depending on where yep. you work and everything. So, wow. Yes, it is,
2: <laughs> This is this is an intense move by the legislature. And I'm hopeful that we will be beyond the worst parts of COVID by the time this law goes into effect but I don't know what's going to happen the next time there's a health emergency and this law already yes. exists. That's going to be, it's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah. I say this, um, I keep reminding people we're recording this on Thursday, but you never know what might happen later tonight, or early tomorrow. The um, wine was asked a press conference today. He didn't reveal too much of his hand if it was going to go to court. I mean, I think you could kind of assume that they're going to try to, you know, protest this in court. Um, any feeling how that might go?
2: I am hopeful that someone files a lawsuit against it, but I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know what the odds are of that working or going all the way up. And, you know, we do have, we also have a Republican majority on the Supreme Court in Ohio as well. Uh, So Mm. there is, there's always the chance that even if we go through the Ohio court system, that it still ends up the same way. So it'll be, it's all Republican versus Republican at every branch of government in Ohio, which will be interesting to watch.
0: (laughs) Well, here's the million dollar question. And You know, I think from a safety point, you know, hey, it's, you know, Governor DeWine kind of bucked his own party, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, So it was almost like a last governor, John Kasich, which, you know, especially after he was governor, he kind of bucked people in the, I'm saying bucked. People are like, oh, is he cussing? No, I'm I'm saying bucked, not the other (laughs) word. Uh, But, no. But he kind of went against his own party. Um, Kasich did that kind of in opposition to former President Trump. Um, you know, Dwight kind of did that, you know, with a lot of people based on how he handled COVID and everything. You know, it's going to be interesting. I, I mentioned to you beforehand, Jake Zuckerman of Ohio Capital Journal had a tweet kind of looking at stuff like gun control. And, um, you know, we talked about that, how it was kind of mysterious what happened with his decision there. And it sounded like the Republicans in the House of Senate had control over him. So it's going to be interesting. And even former President Trump kind of threw out there, hey, primary. And it was funny because Governor Dwight ran his presidential campaign in Ohio too, which is kind of a, well, at least chaired it. And so it's kind of interesting to see what might happen. I was telling you beforehand, I, I guess if I had to gamble on this, I don't know if he survives the primary, to be honest with you, which sounds unusual if he said this a year ago, you know?
2: Yes, it is. I mean, it's I would expect some kind of primary uh from the far right against governor DeWine, which is unusual, you know, it's to primary your own party's governor. Um, right. but you're right. We've seen the power of the far right in Ohio with gun reform as well. The governor wanted things like background checks and red flag laws, and instead he ended up signing a standard ground bill, which is the exact opposite of what he wanted. So it is it shows the power of where the far right is in Ohio. And I can expect for sure, uh, at least one primary challenger from that side of the party. And, you
0: know, you talk, well, there's been talk national politics saying the Republican party, to a rift against, you know, more moderate Republicans versus, you know, Republicans who are most of this war, former president Trump. It'll be interesting. I'm, um, you know, DeWine said this in the press conference. today. He's like, okay. I feel comfortable being a Republican. Everything's good, but I kind of wonder. I mean, I think it'd be shocking if he ran as independent or if he ran as a Democrat. But like I said, boy, it's going to be a tough ride for him um, running as Republican, which I, I, I'm sure he's going to. I, I just, you know, it'd be a crazy move. But maybe he runs as independent. I, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> it's going to be very hard. I, I can definitely you know, tell that. So, yeah, I wonder really? what how that's going to like shape the race for the Democrat governor, too. I mean, obviously, Democrats want to put their best foot forward and bring the best person, but that's going to probably shape the race on their end, too, and pretty much depending on who comes out of the Republican primary. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And I kind of wondered too, uh, I thought it was funny, a couple of weeks ago they were asking uh, DeWine when uh, former health director Amy Acton, she's still considering a run for U.S. Senate, she hasn't officially decided yet, and DeWine wisely kind of sidestepped that issue. But it's funny, Josh Mandel, who's no stranger to state politics, he's definitely pushing for the U.S. Senate race. And it's funny how he's lumped DeWine and Acton together based on what happened here in Ohio. So I'm wondering if it turned out to be like a Mandel versus Amy Acton race, how you know Mandel might try to loop, loop them together, which would be awkward, especially if DeWine's facing a, a fight. It's, it's going to be really interesting election season in Ohio and Nashville, too, with, with all that stuff, too.
2: You're right. And, you know, we had a lot of nationwide and in Ohio, especially in the suburbs, we had a lot of Republicans vote against their own party, vote against Donald Trump, vote against that far right that we're seeing. So maybe there is enough folks of that wing of the Republican Party who don't want to see uh, the Josh Mandels of the world. Maybe they want to see Mike DeWine be the future of their party. Uh, And so it'll, it'll be really interesting who comes out and especially now that Donald Trump's name actually isn't on the ballot. It's just people trying to represent him. Uh, It'll be interesting to see who comes out and and who they vote for.
0: Well, every time I talk about state and national politics, they tell me, hey, we got a long way to go. And I I got a feeling there's going to be other candidates there. I can't believe it's going to be a Josh Mandel and Gene Timken versus the possible Amy Act. I'm sure we're going to see more candidates, especially locally. I mean, really, I don't think there's been any... Democrat officially put their toe in the ring for a, uh, you know, the governor race yet, right? I mean, we we've talked about. I don't think couple, officially, nope. Yeah, I mean, we have a couple bets. that we had to pick, I I think are pretty safe bets, but nothing's been decided yet, so it should be interesting.
2: Hmm. I I'd expect to start seeing some of those announcements here in the next month or so for sure.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting time, and you know, for not just for politics side, but just for a safety point, again, hopefully. COVID goes down, especially if we have health orders go away quicker than we think. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. And it's sad. I was telling you before the podcast, you know, I saw my wife, hey, we may have to make our own choices. we got two kids with special needs, and this transcends politics. This transcends each family's got to put their heads together and say, hey, what keeps them safe? And it would be nice to have a little bit more... Oversight from the people in power. And if not, you know, families are just going to have to say, hey, wh- what are we going to do? You know? So, yes. Hey.
2: I want to encourage everyone to get vaccinated. Uh, you can find locations at gettheshot.coronavirus.ohio.gov. Go find a location, even if you have to drive a little bit, because you're right. It might end up being us deciding for ourselves how to stay safe after this bill goes into effect.
0: Yeah, I've got my shot planned on Monday. I really want to get done Monday because that was my off day from work. I couldn't find anything in Columbus. And people kept like, well, check this, check that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have all day to refresh. So I'm heading to the great city of Mansfield. I'm going to make the little trek up there and get it taken care of. But yeah, I encourage everybody, you know, get your vaccination. It'll be good. I know, I really briefly before we end, I, I was talking with somebody. Well, we actually said this our morning podcast. We we're talking about gun control and the awful shooting and what could happen mm-hmm. locally. and you know, statewide and across the country, you know, with guns as well as COVID, when things happen, we have to change the way we live our lives. Like COVID, even if you hate the mask, even if you hate the vaccine, your life changed in some way. You did something different. Like you were not every day driving around and, you know, hanging out with people and stuff like that. Right. I think we got to approach guns the same way. I mean, I might... In, interested in taking away everybody's gun, but after seeing all these shootings, you just can't we can't do it the way we're doing it. And yeah, we can have a discussion on what steps we need to take. But I, I just think it's crazy. And, and, and we've had I know we focus on state politics here, but we had that debate here in state politics where it was like nobody wanted to do anything. It's like, you know, let's take that step. And the same thing with COVID, you know? You don't have to wrap yourself up like a mummy, but Take care of yourself, take care of other people, get vaccinated, wear a mask and stay away from people. (laughs) It's it's always a good. (laughs) good.
2: We we got a nice break from the shootings last year because COVID kept everyone at home and that's not the way it should be. It shouldn't just be during a pandemic that we don't deal with mass shootings every day. And You're right. Something's got to change. And I don't know what it is, but we can't keep living the same way.
0: Well, and the sad thing I have is, you know, it's funny. I wanted to say something on Facebook. And, you know, we'll post this on Facebook, so I'm sure I'll get some hate from people for saying this. But, you know, I kind of look at it. You know, last week, I want to say, man, it breaks my heart to see people die from guns. Not even a political comment. I was going to say, yeah, I got a vaccine. But I'm sitting here, like, saying those two things are about as outlandish as me cursing somebody on Facebook. You know, it's, it's wild the society we live on <laughs> when something as simple as, it's awful to see gun, you know people die of gun violence, and yay, I got a vaccine can be very controversial. We're we're way too political, and I know you and I like talking politics each week, but it's weird when it becomes a life and death issue. I mean, I almost like talking politics like like talking sports, but when we're getting the issue where we get so entrenched in these feelings that could harm lives, Ugh, it, it drives me bonkers to be honest with you.
2: Yeah. I like to think that most Ohioans are reasonably minded and that it's just the far right who are the loudest uh, who get the most attention, but that it's not most folks feel in that way that, you know, getting a shot, wearing a mask, not that big a deal. Everybody's doing it.
0: Well, I think it's a good time for everybody that's somewhat in the middle. If you're in the middle of the left-hand side of the equation or middle of the right-hand side of the equation, yeah, it's time to speak up. I, I think a lot of times the people like yelling the laws to people on extremes of either side. Everyone get part of it. And that's, that's what I like about your group, um, How Things Work at the Ohio State House. You're taking something that not everybody talks about, unfortunately, but trying to make it simple, trying to make it easy, and trying to say, hey, this is why you should care. So, yeah, everyone check out um, Rachel's Facebook site, uh, How Things Work at the Ohio State House. Uh, what's the latest thing going on there so people know what to look for?
2: We are talking a lot about the veto override right now. Uh, we yes, I imagine, holding, yeah. yeah, holding legislators accountable for how they voted. Uh, we're also going to be doing a lot with the budget going forward, and we still have those big protest bills moving that we talked about uh, a week oh, or yeah. two ago on this podcast. Yeah. So big things happening in our group.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, the override kind of dominated things. But, yes, yeah, right there's nothing else to talk about. I mean, obviously, uh, override's a big issue. But, yeah – there will always be things to talk about, and yeah, stay tuned. We're we're talking about doing other things with this too. Uh, we got to figure some stuff out, but yeah, really excited for you to come on each week and uh, talk about the uh, never-ending Ohio politics. It just—it's amazing. Yes. Thank you happened.
2: for having so, me. There's yeah, no always problem. so much to say.
0: Yes, I know. I mean, I keep thinking, oh, I forget stuff. But it's wearing me out today. Just <laughs> yesterday, it's one thing when it's from news, but it's another thing when I I have to look at my family and have a serious talk with my wife and say, I don't know what to do. I mean, it's one thing if it's something fun we could talk about, like who's running for governor. It's another thing where I'm like, geez, this might change our life for the summer. That's where it gets kind of weird. So, all right. Well, as always, Rachel, thanks for your time. Hang out for a second. And again, everyone, thanks for checking out the Ohio and subscribe. Uh, Click on our support button. It's how you can support us. Uh, if you donate money, you can get entries to win our contest. And check our latest podcast, Hope Interrupted, with Byron McCauley and Jennifer Mooney as they talk about how to communicate cross culturally and try to solve some of these political arguments that we've
1: been having. It's a great book. So check it out. Uh, thanks. Have a great day.